Don't you know me, Kansas City? I'm the new Berlin Wall. It's the Going Off Podcast with uh, going off and Muse. Or is it? Oh, wait a minute. I, I think something else is going on today. I think we've got a, a crossover <laughs> thing going on. Oh, my goodness. Is it? Can it be? Is it the review a new Going Off Podcast? Um, I'm pretty sure someone what? was asking for <laughs> Somebody. Maybe just us. Somebody. <laughs> what is that with somebody? <laughs> do you want to like do a round of intros if anybody's not aware of who all three of us uh, are? Oh, I that's don't... right. That's right. Yeah, everyone introduce yourself. Uh, Evan, Evan, you go ahead. Evan, I, I'm normally on Review and New, which apparently I am today also. I talk with John about movies. Yeah, we, yes. we, we, we did the uh, Kevin Smith uh, We did the whole uh, Kevin oeuvre. Smith oeuvre yeah. except for hoses because I don't want to say mean things about an 18 year old girl. <laughs> and I've heard so many weird things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, and uh, of course, you know, let, let, let's throw it over to the to, to the other uh, person in question. Well, I'm Muse uh, from youtube.com slash Muse Productions uh, Riff Comms, Riff Break uh, one half of the Going Off podcast uh, with RC, and uh, we talk about music news, we review albums, and on YouTube we do uh, riffs on uh, t- uh, sitcoms mainly, but we also have a sub-show where we watch old commercials and kind of give it the, uh, almost like an MST3K, but more casual, less scripted treatment. It's just like, we're watching Nostalgia... And we're talking about how it affected us if we remember it, and we crack jokes, and we make fun of each other, just trying to make each other laugh. So that's me, uh, my wife Molly, and my best friend Dylan. Uh, we got new videos coming out every week. It's either Riff Comms or Riff Break, so that's uh, YouTube.com slash Muse Productions. And, uh, of course, I'm Rap Critic. Uh, I do the Rap Critic show on YouTube, and I have these two podcasts because I listen to albums and, and uh, watch movies, and I really want to talk about them. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this one in particular, oh my goodness. So we are reviewing for today, to, for the for the awesome mega, you know, awesome mega radio smasher crossover. <laughs> mega, I guess. <laughs> we are doing Hedwig and the Angry Inch, a movie I had oh. never watched before, and oh. not, not this Spoiler, but I'm already fucking in love with this movie. Oh, man. <laughs> it already feels like an old friend, like, by the time I watched it the second time, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I, ha- I have uh, some stuff to say about oh, lay it. Lay it out. Make it so, plain. So, here's the thing. And I will say, like, I actually really love this movie also. Um, I love... You might hear me refer to it as a show throughout, hmm. by which hmm. I'm, like, sort of referring to all of Hedvig that has ever existed. Um, mm. And I'll get to that in a second. You know, my personal history is I had the off-Broadway original cast recording in high school. I really loved the mm. music. I saw the movie. I loved the movie. That said, it's a fun show. It's got great music. It's got some really awesome parts. The characters are really great. It is not <laughs> progressive. It is not subversive. Oh, you don't think so? Oh, no, oh okay. No, no, no. Oh, we gotta get into no, it. Okay. This, no, this. I mean, and the thing is, like, part of that is knowing the context mm. that this started as a cis gay guys drag show, solo drag show in the early nineties. Mm. There. And I've got a quote from John Cameron Mitchell, who's the the creator who created it, wrote it, also plays Hedvig in the movie, and also played Hedvig off-Broadway. 
He was talking about when he came up with it, he said, I started thinking more about the character and the transgender aspect, the sort of castration angle, and the involuntary sex change just came to me. So literally, like, the concept of it is predicated on a cis guy's castration anxiety. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. And, and I'm not... And that's not to sit there and, like, I have no interest in, like, bashing this and saying, oh, this is terrible and evil and transphobic and horrible. But I do think that's worth noting that this is not, um, you know, a lot of the ideas in it about gender are are fairly unsophisticated. Mm. Um, and also, I want to take into account that, that a lot of trans women find this... Uh, very upsetting, including my wife, uh, who uh, you, who, who anybody who's listened to this may have uh, heard me refer to her with male pronouns before. She actually came out as trans uh, during the time that we've been filming, and I'll go ahead and say it on the air. I am also trans. I've never mentioned this on the show before, but I am also trans. I feel like that's important to mention for context. Uh, so, you know, so I. I love the show, but also it's hella triggering mm. for a lot of trans women. Um, and it's just not, uh, it's got kind of a weirdly like 1950s idea of mm. what being trans is in some ways. Um, and so, and, and I think that there are ways in which the movie suffers by having evolved from a solo drag act without changing you know and and i've i've been there as a creator as a writer i've i've had something that i come up with and then work with it through various forms over the course of years and then i'll come up with i'll have something five years later and go wait why did i make this choice this doesn't make sense anymore mm-hmm. um and so there are a lot of things that it's like why did that happen because it started as a drag show in a club and it made sense in that context mm. uh so you want so, to be sympathetic to like the ti- like the creator making a piece of work, but at the same time you want to be critical of it. Still right, being you know, of- I don't think that I don't. This is not Ace Ventura here. This is not. <laughs> oh my I don't, god! You know, I don't think that John Cameron Mitchell is like a transphobe and mm-hmm. he hates trans women and he's trying to be horrible. But I think that he made choices when he was creating this character and when he was sort of devising the arc of the story that made sense when it was a one-man drag act in a drag bar. Um, and then when you translate that over the years and over the different mediums to a, uh, to a, you know, an hour and a half long film where we're following the, around this character who seems to be a transgender woman for most of it. And we see her like sleeping and the way she looks when she's sleeping and, mm-hmm. you know, and to have the, uh, to have it end the way it did, in the movie, I think did not work, but we can get into. Yeah, that it's later, an so. interesting. Yeah, yeah, we discuss, can get into that because, yeah, like, yeah, when I first watched the movie, I was like, I didn't know what to make of it, and I think the second time I watched it, I think I got a little bit more of what was happening. But yeah, I, I would like to have that discussion. Uh, Muse, is there any? What's your relation to the the movie? Um, I first saw it back in I want to say 2009 or 2010. and it was sort of a I guess you can call it a double feature. Me and someone I was seeing at the time. Uh, had this movie on DVD as well as Rent. And I watched Mm. this and Rent uh, back-to-back. One movie had a very long-lasting effect on me. Uh, The other's Rent. And (laughs) I I can't go back and really... I I don't enjoy Rent 
Hardly yeah. at all. But, <laughs> but uh, here it comes up in this movie. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, except for maybe like a handful of songs, I'll go back and be like, oh yeah, you know, I'll listen to that. But other than that, uh, Hedwig, on the other hand, though, um, I honestly want to say, as someone who at the time was closeted and would be for another what six, seven years, um, this was honestly like the first piece of queer media that I I, I want to say the first bit of queer media I took in like at all. So mm. <laughs> in that way, it's, it, it definitely holds a piece of, um, of sentimentality for me. Um, just because I, I think up until that point, I never really, I don't know, I guess like looked that aspect of myself in the face, not exactly saying that like I saw myself in this movie. I'm just saying, in the way that, like, up until this point, you know, South Park fan, wrestling fan, hmm. very homophobic uh, content, all this stuff. So, um, anything pro-queer in, in really any regard, um, I guess I was kind of, like, afraid to enjoy or um, just kind of watch. But this really wasn't up to me. I was just at my partner's house, and we just watched this and ran back-to-back. Um, so outside that, I would say it is, if not, it has a really hard fight for my favorite movie ever. And I, (laughs) I, and outside that, which I think is a reason why it is one of my favorite movies is because, um, except for maybe a couple tracks, this is one of my favorite soundtracks oh. where it stands out it stands by itself it's a standalone um and i think i think most of the songs people could probably enjoy without even having seen the movie not not many of them uh you don't really get the context if you haven't seen it but they're definitely very enjoyable tracks oh dude um, f- for me like when i was done watching the movie like i straight up had to be like i became such a fan of like this music i was like so when's the next album coming out? You know? yeah. <laughs> and then you look, it's from 99. It's like, oh, never mind. Yeah. Um, so, so as for its effect on um, on the trans community and everything in that regard, I, I can't say personally because that's not my, hmm. you know, that, that that's not my area. So I can't speak for how that affects anyone in particular. And I'm not at the same time trying to devalue how it does affect people who are triggered by it. Um, so I'm, I'm, but when, when I say, oh, this is my favorite movie ever, it, it <laughs> definitely has its flaws. I mean, that's any anything from the late 90s, really. <laughs> it's just going to happen. <laughs> it kind of deserves to be looked at in a certain lens. Like, it's not going to be as considerate as things, especially now. Um, but the, on- the only thing that I had seen recently that I guess put it in a different light for me was to hear that this was allegedly a story based on someone that John knew. So it wasn't like a completely fabricated story. It was based on, so the character of Hedwig was based on his babysitter who by all accounts was a cis woman. Uh, Oh. Um, And the idea of Hedwig being a, 
assigned male at birth was something that came later. And it seems to largely... So I read this oral history that uh, was on Rolling Stone... And it seems to be, essentially it started with John Cameron Mitchell wanted to do a show about Plato's Symposium, and he got together with this composer and was like, write songs about Plato's Symposium, and he did, and and that, and then the character started based on the babysitter. Um, and then, you know, he had that... Yeah, that puts that <laughs> scene in a different about, light. <laughs> he had that comment about the... Uh, about the um, you know, the castration, and, and, and I think a lot of it was that he was doing it in a drag bar and I think that the the show wouldn't have been it wouldn't have come to be what it ended up being if he hadn't been performing in a drag club if he had ended up in like Mm. you know Joe's pub or something Mm. instead it might have evolved completely differently so so can I can Mm. I ask the question um is it because specifically with how uh uh uh, the character Hedwig is handled, especially during a certain song uh, that comes later, the, the one that your wife walked out on, it feels like the idea of it being a trans narrative was, like, pushed onto it when, like you said, it originally was about, like, a drag, well, like, I, character. I think, that, like, right? I think that Hedwig's gender and her physicality, her physical sex, are a big part of the story. Now, the thing is, from my perspective, my issue is only with the ending, and the reason... Okay. For it. By the way, we just jump around chronologically on these movies. We talk about the ending five minutes in. So, you know, so my issue with the ending, and this is as somebody who is like, I've been a performer, I've done solo shows, so I really, like... I can't help but think about sort of the context in that. Mm. And the thing is that near the ending, what happens is, you know, you've got this ending, Hedvig like rockets to stardom and she's doing really well. And then you see her on stage and she's performing and then she kind of starts to go nuts and she ends up taking her wig off. Crazy ass scene. She takes her wig off and she's got a a very, you know, a male haircut underneath, like a masculine look. It's not just short hair. It's like a particular, like, masculine-looking haircut. Mm. And then she, like, takes off her top and she smashes her fake breasts. The, the tomato thing, yeah. Right, and she and she has a very masculine physique because it's John Cameron Mitchell's body and he's, he's mm. a male. Um, and... Um, and then at the very end, she ends up standing on stage, essentially looking exactly like Tommy Gnosis. She's mm. she's shirtless, wearing pants, and and has a masculine haircut and has the the cross on her head, and looks very very masculine. And then at the very end, walks out naked. And um, and the thing is that from the moment she there was this moment where because there's a whole thing with Yitzhak and we'll get into Yitzhak (laughs) but Mm. from the moment she started like taking everything off and smashing everything and and stripping down what that felt like to me was I was like okay I've just spent an hour and a half with Hedvig who you know if my my death of the author reading I don't think this is what John Cameron Mitchell necessarily intended but my sort of death of the author I'm going to forget about context and just look at this as itself um, is that Hedvig is sort of a gender fluid person who mm. doesn't really seem to mind being like, you know, early on doesn't seem to have that much of a preference for what gender they're perceived as. Mm. Um, definitely likes having a penis, did not want to get rid of their penis, mm-hmm. was very upset uh, yeah. about what happened to their penis. Uh, okay, yeah, that was um, a really and, big and thing. And I think yeah, you also yeah. like have to sort of separate out you know, and I don't think that John Cameron Mitchell did this well or that mm. the script necessarily does this well, but you have to sort of separate out gender from physicality because mm. those things get very conflated. But essentially, like, my read on it 
if I'm not worried about what the author, what the authorial intent is, is that Hedwig is this sort of genderqueer person who got pushed into a surgery that she didn't want, mm-hmm. and yet nonetheless is very comfortable in living as a woman, living in this feminine role. And, you know, I've spent an hour and a half with her seeing her go to bed with, with that long blonde hair with a hairnet on, like going to, you know, going to bed looking feminine. And so to see that stripping down to a male presentation, I was like, it didn't even, it wasn't even so much to me that it was offensive. It just felt like I'm not what this is not Hedwig anymore. Now I'm watching John Cameron Mitchell strip down to himself, which, you know, in a drag show, like it's kind of a trope in drag, particularly when you've got a cis male drag queen um, of like ripping off the wig and ripping something off and showing the masculine chest and just being like, look, it's a man underneath. Um, it's a drag trope. Mm. And, you know, and the thing is like when that was a show in a drag bar, I'm sure that was a great moment. But in a movie where we've spent an hour and a half with this character and gotten to know her and then suddenly seeing her turn into, you know, who who she looks like at the end, it's it di- it just didn't feel truthful. Um, and it felt like, oh, this is a leftover from when it was a drag show. And this is John Cameron Mitchell standing up there being John Cameron Mitchell. And I just felt like it kind of got away from the character. And I, and I also, and I will say, I felt like it could have been done subtly different where she was stripping off some of the artifice and the big crazy wig and the big crazy makeup and stuff without stripping down to masculinity and would have stripped down to something more like, okay, this is just who I am as a person, but without suddenly looking so very, very masculine and then ending up dressing exactly like Tommy Gnosis. Like, Mm. that felt like... And I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like Tommy Gnosis is actually played by the same actor as Hedwig usually. I might be completely wrong about that, but yeah, okay. Mm. So, so... You know, and that again is a leftover from theater, and and like with um, with Yitzhak being played by a woman, you know, you can read all kinds and I of didn't like know that at first. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Miriam. <laughs> I kept looking at, at her. I was like, yeah, well, no, there, Miriam. Something about this well, character, yeah, because that kept like making me like Miriam Shore is. Uh, has a beautiful voice and the thing is like you could read all kinds of like what does it say about Yitzhak and like mm. why did why is Yitzhak played by a cis woman and what is that supposed to mean the fact is they wanted a soprano uh, they wanted a soprano voice on stage yeah. well, you know what I thought was interesting <laughs> okay going into the movie I thought Hedwig like and, and you know correct or wrong I thought Hedwig was supposed to be trans but it felt like like at the end of the day it was Hedwig being in drag and Yit uh, uh, Yit Yit Yitzhak, that was actually turned out to be, like, trans and was embracing herself. And it was actually um, Hedwig that was keeping her from being her true self by, like, you know, uh, restricting her in the same way that Hedwig had been, you know, uh, uh, had been restricted and kept down by other people. And so Mm. what I kind of took of it as is sort of like a, you know, it's a... Like, because I didn't, I didn't, wasn't in tune with, like, more of, like, a directly, like, trans narrative and what those, like, you know, uh, I don't want to say signifiers, but, like, the the representation of what, you know, uh, it means to be a man or woman necessarily represents. I was thinking about it purely in terms of, like, a narrative of, uh, you know, someone realizing that they are, you know, problematic in this issue as well and and realizing that they were about to be responsible for someone not being themselves and so at the end when you see her when you see Yitzhak dressed and looking like so much like a woman it's like oh allowing this woman to be herself you know what I'm saying yeah and that I mean that's a really interesting read on it and I think Yitzhak's a really interesting character because 
Um, you know, he wasn't in the original, uh, you know, in the very, very early on solo shows. Mm. It, you know, Yitzhak was a character that came in for the off-Broadway production and Miriam Shore originated the character and also plays Yitzhak in the movie. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting dynamics between, uh, between Hedwig and Yitzhak and actually so. gender aside... Gender aside, one thing I picked up on is Yitzhak is Jewish, um, yeah. mm. and Yitzhak is Jewish, and Hedvig was, you know, clearly, okay, I'm German, no. Hedvig <laughs> oh, no. was East German, born, um, you know, born right after the fall of the Third Reich, mm. and, you know, at one point, like, when they were performing in a Jewish retirement home, it kind of does a half, <laughs> half-assed half Heil Hitler, oh, and, no. like, salute, you. and is, like, singing with the Blitzkrieg, and, like, seems, like, not hateful like not overtly anti-Semitic, but just sort of like insensitive to it. Mm. And and I got some vibes that part of her cruelty to Yitzhak is not just the gender aspect and like sort of forcing Yitzhak to be more masculine than they want to be. Um, but also there was some, some stuff going on in there with Yitzhak's Jewishness that I, mm. I haven't fully unpacked. Okay. I wanted I wanted but, to just note real fast that when he appears wearing the chef's hat in a, like a fantasy sequence. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at the hat and going, what does that say? Oh, it says chef. Yeah. It literally says chef in Hebrew. And I don't think it's like a Hebrew word. It just literally makes the sound chef in Hebrew. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, that's it. Like I read Hebrew phonetically. I don't like speak Hebrew, but I read it phonetically. And I was like, oh, that just says literally chef. <laughs> there is the one part and I've only seen this recently. They, there's a version on YouTube where it's a stage performance, uh, and it has John Cameron Mitchell and it has Yitzhak in the performance. And I really wish they would have delved into this more or included this in the movie, um, because it definitely does leave a big gaping hole in what that character is or what they're about. That when Hedwig first found Yitzhak, Yitzhak was a drag performer. And yeah. went by the stage name Crystal Knocked. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. And and I actually, what is it? Because I, wow. I I haven't seen the show live on stage, um, mm. but I was when I was reading that oral history, uh, Miriam Shore was talking about the original casting notice that she saw, mm. and the the description of Yitzhak in the casting notice was like ex drag queen Crystal Knocked, the last Jewess of the Balkans, or oh something God. like that. And Jesus, yeah. So very provocative film, you know. And that's like it's <laughs> it's. it's weird and it's like um so john cameron mitchell is not jewish as far as i know mm. um i think Miriam is, shore is. is he from east berlin no like... so he's a he's an american army brat and he actually mm. lived in berlin as a child for a while okay um but yeah so so that power dynamic of and i think it's like supposed to be polish right i mm. I, I don't know but but you know the power dynamic yeah because um, his accent yeah yeah, yeah. is not just, um, or possibly Russian, I don't know, because he, he doesn't talk a lot, but... Um, <laughs> He's a very but, silent person. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, the, there's that power dynamic of, you know, we see Yitzhak, and, and I think, as you pointed out, like, knowing going into it that Yitzhak's an ex-drag queen, it's like, it's not just, oh, Yitzhak has never gotten to express this part of himself, it's like, no, that was a part of who they were, and Hedvig, like, took that away, yeah. possibly because mm. she wanted 
a masculine and and you see like actually in the movie when they have like when they're on stage performing there's like this competitiveness where mm-hmm. um like Yitzhak will start sort of riffing vocally and Hedvig will like yank the microphone away <laughs> and I gotta say I loved that energy like I just like every time I saw one of these performances I, I was just like I would love to be in the crowd and seeing this happen like seeing the like cause yeah. your eye wants to follow and be like oh shit what's gonna happen this time who's mad at who <laughs> you and, know? And, and, the, and I think the, the contrast between Yitzhak having this very like sort of masculine aspect in, in terms of presentation in terms of posture and all that and then this beautiful soprano voice mm-hmm. and you know and I do think uh, again like if I weren't thinking too much about what I know about the context and what I know about John Cameron Mitchell going into it um, I would say maybe part of choosing to cast a beautiful woman as Yitzhak is that at the end you get to see this absolutely unquestionable feminine beauty mm. and it's that idea of like mm. this is who Yitzhak is on the inside and has been all along mm. which you know I mean there are uh, you know there are things you could say you could maybe pick apart and get mad at the idea of like using somebody's you know physicality somebody's like you know biological appearance to indicate mm. what their gender is is mm-hmm. quote unquote like on the inside, but I I do I think it's interesting. Um, so so uh, if I if I may vibe off that for a second, like you know we know now that like yeah having a a, a body part doesn't necessarily mean that you're whatever gender right and um I, and I feel like like watching the movie though like you could see like for the narrative purposes why they were doing certain things like they were representative of a character trying to figure themselves out and is that like. I guess it's like... Well, the thing is, yeah, like, yeah, there ahead. have been trans women who get pressured into surgery they don't want by partners. That's a mm. thing that happens. Um, there are a lot of trans women who like their penises and are perfectly fine having penises. And mm. there are, you know, and there are women who get pressured. I mean, heck, there are cis women who get pressured into surgeries they don't want by partners. Mm. Um, and, you know, so to me, you know, again, death of the author reading for a second where I'm not trying to worry too much about what the intent was. Hedvig is, you know, Hedvig is self-identified as being some kind of gender fluid. I mean, refers to herself as, you know, something between man and woman very Mm. frequently. So if we take Hedvig at her word as being some kind of non-binary or gender fluid, but also she clearly liked her penis and was very upset that yeah. she got rid of it, especially for the absolute tragedy. I mean, you have this moment where she was watching the news and sees, oh, the mm. Berlin Wall fell. <laughs> she could have just waited oh a year God. and gotten out without doing that. Good and, Lord. And, the, and the and just sort of her collapsing, and especially because also her husband's just left her. Oh, mm. and, and, and let's get into the movie if we're gonna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah like I guess, uh... <laughs> so we 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 start off with like a fucking you know uh, purposefully detuned and badly played uh, America the Beautiful on electric guitar I loved that just going in like just seeing how ambitious this movie was you know what I'm saying from a political standpoint like I had no idea it was going to do that sort of thing like you know what I'm saying so yeah like in the first fucking thing you see is her like putting up the arms in this huge ass uh, uh, fucking cape that she had on the like the Berlin Wall and it was like don't you know me I'm the new Berlin Wall and it said on a Yankee go home and on the other side yeah. with me <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying um, 
So yeah, just first off, just like seeing the, like the energy of them just performing and all the crazy shit, like on some fucking Beatles, everyone's angry at each other mm-hmm. and it's 19, you know, 71 or some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, where it's like, but it's just so intense and you just want to see what's going to happen next with the lighting and the colorful shit and, and the animation that comes in and stuff like that. Like just, like I said, as this person just coming into this, not knowing anything about it, it was just so immediately engaging with what was happening. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, of course, then we, uh, right after that, we get into the first scene going into, uh, well, I didn't remember his name, so I just wrote down Bandana Man. Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's this really prominent bandana he wears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or she wears, I guess. Um, because, I mean, I, I feel like like she's a woman, right? Like the- I, it's you know, it's not fully clear whether Yitzhak is a trans woman or mm-hmm. whether Yitzhak just really, really missed doing drag. Oh, okay. You know, See, I, I thought something, of it. Okay. I mean, and it's it's. I would say it's up for interpretation, and mm-hmm. I w- and I just want to note real quick uh, that you know, there's. So drag is a performance. There are drag queens who are cis men. There are drag queens who are trans women. There are drag queens who are every gender in between. And, um, and uh, you know, Hedvig on stage is unquestionably a drag queen. Mm-hmm. Now, what Hedvig mm-hmm. is off stage when we're seeing Hedvig just living her life, mm-hmm. that's the one that becomes a little less clear. Hedvig on stage is unquestionably a drag queen. Okay. Um and and then what Yitzhak is or wants to be is a little confusing and especially and I would say like yeah cutting out the fact that Yitzhak used to be a drag queen cutting that out of the movie does um it makes the character a little more enigmatic mm, yeah. um without that it seems like and this is going into fucking film forum now because I've this is something I've never even thought of about the movie until seeing it a couple years ago the is Tommy Gnosis even a real person? Aspect of like, wait, what? I, I never thought about that. Well, Look, yeah, because see, in the movie, it's like, yeah, obviously, but in the, uh, but in the in the stage version, it's more it's more ambiguous, right? Especially with the double yeah. casting, and oh. it's like maybe Tommy Gnosis is part of Hedvig, that that <laughs> maybe a masculine they, part that Hedvig lost. Okay. They definitely do. They they play with that a little bit, especially at the end when they're on the opposite sides, and uh, Gnosis is singing. Uh, his version of Wicked Little Town, and mm. slowly his mouth stops singing the yeah, words, and you yeah. still hear the lyrics, and he just like like whispers goodbye and walks away, leaving uh, Hedwig with the with the silver cross and everything. If I mm. were to read into the Yitzhak bit, it seems like Tommy took from Hedwig what what she wanted to be in a musician, and then like either stepped away and gave her that i don't know because then he walks away at the end anyway so it's so hard to tell but with 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 the moment in uh midnight radio where hedwig passes the wig onto yitzhak it almost felt like i never wanted this but you clearly want it more than i do like the Mm. life that i got you probably like wished not the hardships obviously but the end result like you that's to where i got the yitzhak is a woman not a drag queen <laughs> yeah especially yeah. at the yeah. end when it's like go be free but you know it's it's so hard to really it, it's hard to portray that in the stage show because they just mm-hmm. put a wig on yitzhak and yitzhak mm-hmm. just walks away mm-hmm. still in the same outfit no 
dramatic magical dress that happens in in the movie it's way more uh pronounced yeah in the movie and they it, have a lot more leeway with and that. i would agree with that interpretation you know because i i do think it's like maybe slightly up for up for argument but but yeah because when you see yitzhak at the very end being um you know being like crowd surfing and you mm. know and she's just like blissful and she's not trying to perform or anything she's just blissfully being she's, yeah she's being a, herself you yeah. know and and so yeah i mean i i would definitely agree with that um and it's yeah i mean i, I think i before i i found out um that the character originated as a drag queen um i had wondered if you know it, it sometimes seems at first as though um as though Yitzhak until you get to the end it's like is Yitzhak uh actually transmasculine but also mm. really like wants to be a drag queen but then yeah by by the end it becomes pretty apparent mm. um I would agree with that so so they're literally at the something called the Americana Hotel <laughs> like again like I, I didn't realize how like directly political this movie was going to be and, and especially in the uh um and it's uh, imagery and stuff like that, like specifically how it cuts back to it being about directly like the Berlin Wall and it falling and like, you know, the mm. relationship between America and in and, and Europe and especially Germany. You know what I'm saying? Um, so Hedvig meets uh, this this army, this army guy, mm. this black army guy who's just like the smoothest talking, deep voiced <laughs> having motherfucker. He's got like this mm. mustache and he just happens to come upon her while she's like among the wreckage of the Berlin Wall, which again, like, no, oh, it, was it, it wasn't because no, yeah, it was the wreckage of a bombed out church, I think, because oh, okay. this yeah. was because remember this is before the wall fell because oh, that's right. why yeah, 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 that's yeah. why she had to like marry the army guy to get out of yeah, Germany. Yeah, okay, okay, so yeah, she's just hanging out on a destroyed church as you do. <laughs> I get you ain't got a lot of shit to do in a, in in Germany around those times, I guess. Um, and, you know, comes upon this soldier, and, and I thought it was interesting, right before, like, he really comes up, you see uh, what looks like a Berlin Wall, and then, like, the McDonald's arches <laughs> peeking up over shot, it, yeah. you know, like, it's a metaphor, <laughs> and, um, you know, so he, he comes up to her, and it's, it was really weird, and maybe this is part of, like, what, what, like, twisted things a little bit for me, like, in terms of figuring out, like, what was necessarily going on. So it's like, he's like, um, you know, he's saying, like, oh, man, you're so beautiful. Just wish you were a girl. Oh, if well, only said, you were a girl. He's, he actually, he says something like, I can't believe you're not a yeah, girl. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Doesn't, he doesn't say, I wish you were a girl. He just says, I can't believe you're not a girl, mm. or, like, it's it's crazy that you're not a girl. So he's not actively expressing like a desire it's just it's more it's subtler than that and yeah you know but but so going into it uh when it comes to the point where like okay they are going to be a thing through the very strange scene of like hey, would you like some gummy bears some really like bigger than i've ever seen fucking sized gummy bears gummy bears yeah, yeah. Like, where are those from the two inch gummy bears gummy bearchen <laughs> And, um, so it comes to the point where, like, okay, you know, like, we, we love each other, we're, we want to go to America, but mm, 
we 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 got to get married in order to go to America. And it didn't even strike me at first the idea that like, oh yeah, they can't like because at first I was thinking like, huh, you know, it is kind of interesting in the eighties like this military couple is just kind of allowed to like be in a, okay, that's kind of weird. And and, mm. and then I didn't connect the idea that like she felt like she had to do a transition in order to do that. And like it was only on my second doing where I was like. Oh, right, because there is still... Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's not allowed. (laughs) Exactly. So, and again, I feel like that muddies the waters a bit because it doesn't make her want to transition to be something that she wants, but something that, again, is something that feels like it's a a necessity. Like, not so... I I want to be a woman. It's in order to do this, I have Mm -hmm. to be a woman. You know what I'm saying? And that's part of what I think, especially for, like, a lot of trans feminine people watching it, Mm. it's kind of, like... There's always two ways to look at a story. You've got in-universe justifications and internal logic and saying, yes, this makes sense. Here's how this character is presented. Here's what the story is. But then if you zoom out and you say, okay, why are we telling this story? Mm. Why are we making a character who's like this? Like, for instance, you know, if you have a Jewish character who's uh, an evil moneylender, right? Like, <laughs> you could have, you could say, like, yes, well, this character have, is Jewish and also is, ne- and, like, that could exist. Like, yeah, but why did you do that? <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's one of the reasons, like, it is a little bit squicky. It can be a little squicky is because, like, yeah, internally, um, Hedvig makes sense as a character. <coughs> like, internally, Hedvig makes sense as being this person who was pushed into a surgery that they didn't want, perhaps pushed into a more rigidly feminine gender role than they wanted, mm. um, and was pushed into all this and and got, you know, mutilated, like literally castrated and mutilated, um, and then at the end reclaims their masculinity. Uh, and you know, it's like, yes, all internally all of that makes sense, but then when you zoom out and you're like, okay, so because trans women, you know, I mean, trans people generally are very often told like, well, you're not really this, you're just fake. And what you really Mm. are is what you were born and you can never really be something else. And you know, who you are deep down inside is your, your birth gender. Mm. And also like gender confirming surgery is being referred to as mutilation and Mm. sort of like, you know, you always hear like transphobic people who are obsessed with like, you know, trans women getting surgery referring to as like cutting their dick off, cutting their dick mm. off. Like that's the phrase you always hear. And and literally knowing that John Cameron Mitchell created this because he the thought that occurred to him was castration. Mm. Um it, it gets kind of squicky where you're like, okay, here's this character who for most of the movie seems like a trans woman. A trans woman who is a drag queen also, which is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but a trans woman off stage and that's who we see them as for most of the movie and who we get to know them as. And then to have it be at the beginning, this boy was forced into cutting his dick off. Mm. And then at the end, and now this person's reclaiming their lost masculinity because who they really are deep down is a man. And that's the real truth. It it gets a little squicky. And, it, you know, a, and it, I see it in a way that like demonizes some, it. I mean, like, you know, I don't think it's demonizing so much as just it. What it really strikes me as more than anything is naive. And okay. I don't, it doesn't strike me as hateful. It strikes me as naive. And the thing is, like, I will say, like, I love the character of Hedvig, like, in that in universe thing. I find Hedvig very charming. I love Hedvig on stage. I love Hedvig's performances. I find her very sympathetic. I find her, you know, moving. But when you do zoom out and you look at that narrative and you're like, okay, you're telling us, and, and literally 
Hedvig is referred to as a transgender woman mm-hmm. in meta commentary. Like the creators refer to as a transgender woman. Reviews refer to her as a transgender woman. Mm-hmm. She is referred to as a transgender woman all the time, including by the people who created her. And to have somebody and say, this is a transgender woman. Also, this is somebody who was happily living life as a gay boy uh, and then got her dick cut off. I see. And then she was a woman, but <clears throat> then at the end she had to admit that deep down she's really a man. Like mm. that you know, and and I don't think that, that was the intent. I don't think the intent was to put some forth some like transphobic screed and be like, you know, look at this is all that a trans woman really is, is some man who cut his dick off. I don't think that that was the intent. But I think that it could come off that way and in fact mm. does come off that way to a lot of viewers mm. um and so that's you know and and you know again like i have a, not a not a completely the same relationship to music it wasn't my first queer media but it is something that i knew from a teenager and and had a lot of love for and still have a lot of love for but i know i could it doesn't surprise me to hear that somebody you know when my wife was like saying how she read the narrative and how it came across to her. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can see that, you know? Yeah, you know, when I was originally watching it, like, yeah, when... It's funny that you say that, like, people... uh, You said the meta-narrative and how people are referring to it is Hedwig as a trans woman, but, like, as I'm watching the movie, like them being trans didn't come off to me like that. It came off to me, like I said, I was looking at the circumstance of, oh, like, I mean, the this person literally named the band after a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, literally named the band after her dick. <laughs> And, uh, uh, and may, and, you know, is singing a song about it. You know what I'm saying? Like specifically focusing on it. And you do, you do have some trans women who really like their dick and are very proud of their dick. And it's not so much that as just, you know, and I, and I think this is also part of the problem is that the view of gender is very, very rooted in the body. Uh, Especially in 1999, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and it used to be like in the 1950s when, you know, Christine Jorgensen was making the rounds, right? Mm. Uh, Oh yeah, I remember. Christine Jorgensen was one of the first, not, not the first, obviously, but one of the first, um, one of the earliest trans women to get, uh, you know, full gender reassignment surgeries and was, you know, doing this big tour. And she was like, you know, all these headlines of GI becomes blonde bombshell. And the way it was presented back then and the way that a lot of people talked about it was like, she was a man and now she's a woman because they did the surgery. And it was, you know, kind of cute in a way because it was like everybody seemed to just be like, yeah, this was a man, and like, then she got this thing, and now she's a woman. That's the nicest the and 50s could have uh, treated that situation. Well, and, and the thing is, like, it's a very sort of old-fashioned and, like I said, kind of naive view, and, and that's the view that the movie seems to have, is Hedwig was a boy, and then she got her dick cut off, and so oh, now she's... But she didn't get a vagina because the surgeon made a mistake, so now she's just sort of something in between man and woman, and the By idea, nature of it being related right. to her, her penis directly. And the idea yeah, yeah. of, like, somebody being gender fluid or non-binary does not at all, I think, occur to, you know, the narrative or the creators apart from, like, it seems to be the reason that Hedvig is between man and woman is because Hedvig has this right. genitalia. Right, right. Um, and if Hedvig still had her penis or if she had gotten a vagina or, you know, whatever it might have been referred to differently. So so it's very, like, 
I think that's part of the limitation is that we all, you know, I'm assuming like the three of us and, and a lot of people in 2020 now have this understanding of gender as being something apart from mm. whatever condition your body happens to be in at the moment. But the movie's idea of gender and sex and everything is very much rooted in the body. And so it's like what Hedvig is is very tied to what happens to her body. Yeah. And, and and there's another thing that I just want to bring up real quick. Uh, again, a little, bit of a squeakiness here. The the molestation scene. Oh, we didn't even get into that. Yeah, so going through the movie, there's a scene where, uh, you know, he, he she jokes about, like, so many people have touched me before I got mm-hmm. up to this stage. And, like, th- there's this thing throughout where it's, like, making light of the horrible things she's gone through, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, but then it cuts back to it and you see, like, the reality of it. And, yeah, there's a scene where like oh yeah uh her mom was dating this gi who had abused her when when she was a little boy and uh um it's like there's like at the end of the scene you kind of see like while it's like he's like smiling you know what i'm saying and that felt kind of like it it was it felt like in a way that was just like this is a thing that happened to me, like, was sexually molested, but by nature of me being someone who is gay, like, I didn't hate that it happened, even though it's not okay that, that like, you know what I'm saying? You like, know, it seemed like it, that was what was happening there. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, like, in, it's one of those things, again, it's like, you but can have- then it feels in, like it equates being gay with, you know, right, child molestation, right, you know what I'm saying? Right, and the thing is, like, you can have in-universe justifications versus, you know, meta stuff, because it's like- Yes, in real life, I know people who were molested or were sexually abused when they were young, and they kind of make light of it because that's how they deal with it, and they joke about it, and they and and they even say stuff like, I mean, heck, uh, what's his face, Milo Yiannopoulos, yeah. talking about how he <laughs> liked getting molested by a priest when he was thirteen, yeah. and it's like there are people who that's how they process what happened to them, but if you are. You know, and and I'm and I'm willing. You know, and the thing is, John Cameron Mitchell is gay. Like he is gay, and so I don't think he was trying to say like homosexuality is caused by being molested yeah. as a child. I don't think he was trying to say that. I I actually wondered, and and maybe I missed something, but I wondered if it's possible that you know because we don't see young Hansel getting molested. We see. Yeah. Uh, the the GI kind of like snuggling with him, and then afterwards and, the mom like the mom beats fr- the shit out of him for right, like half a minute. He doesn't leave. In and sees him snuggling oh, yeah, his yeah. child and freaks out and calls him a pervert and kicks him out. Now here's the thing: maybe we're meant to infer like yes, he actually did molest this child. At the same time, like I'm a dad, I snuggle my kid, like you know, and I'm wondering if we're supposed to believe that maybe Hedvig's mother overreacted and misinterpreted something and and got rid of Hedvig's father because she misinterpreted that and then implanted Hedvig with this um you know with this like narrative of yes your father molested you your father was a pervert and your father uh-huh. touched you inappropriately and that didn't happen and so Hedvig's like processing well my mom always told me this is what happened but I don't remember anything bad happening I mean, but again, maybe I missed something, but that was like how I kind of thought maybe that was what I was could meant see to that happen. being the case too, actually. Yeah. Only, only because just recently, I, I watched it earlier today as a refresher. I haven't seen it for probably a, a couple of years. Um, the way the dad reacts, like 
He's, he's just like looks, dumbfounded, just standing there. He's extremely confused. He doesn't seem like there was like I could see there being a possible overreaction only because now that I think about it, earlier, only like a couple scenes prior, we have the uh, angrily turning off the religious cartoon. <laughs> and Hansel says, uh, but Jesus died for our sins. And the mom says, so did Hitler. That very so interesting she, line. <laughs> she she does have a very yeah, interesting had, thought process. Hedwig Sr. Hedwig Sr. has some issues. Yeah, and it's like, I, I think I was interested, yeah, and it kind of made me think about it for a second, though, because it was like, okay, they are in Germany, though, so it's like, yeah, literally, like, Hitler died for the sins of this country, the fucked up things that this country did, like, at the end of this, like, the result of what he wanted to do, he ends up being, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, killing himself, and not necessarily being a martyr for what Germany went through, but, like, emblematic of what the mindset was at the time you know what i'm saying yeah and and i think you know when what we can say for sure about hedvig senior is that she has a lot of anger yes and that it may have been that she was looking for an excuse to get rid of this american gi that she didn't want in her house and she didn't want around her child i mean hell there's there's like and her relationship is very interesting because it's like sometimes she seems very cold and insensitive but other times she seems like she's actually being like kind of a supportive mom like okay there's the one scene where she throws the what the fuck is that like Orange, it, it, it sli- was, like a tomato it was a or tomato. something. Yeah, <laughs> like throws it at him. And first of all, she puts her kid's head. Is, is she's just comfortable with putting her kid's head in an oven and just letting that just be like that for a while? Like what? What the fuck? That's not cool. And then- I was just thinking that where it's like <laughs> I, I, I'm okay with you pasting <laughs> pictures from magazines all inside my oven. But if I hear you sing a line from that Lou Reed song, I'm throwing a tomato at your head. Like, where do you draw the line, Ma? But but then there's the weird thing where it's like, but wait, you're actually okay with, like, helping your mm. your, your daughter, you know, get to America and do what she has to do, you know, and, and, and adopt your name, like, by helping you get there, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Well, and she, and I think she's meant to be erratic and unstable, and, um, and actually, so the, um, it's something that something that my wife brought up was that there's very little agency in Hedvig becoming Hedvig because even the mm. name is just sort mm-hmm. of a con- you know the surgery is for convenience the name is well you're taking your mother's passport so of course you're going to take that same mm. name yeah, yeah. um you know the wigs are given to her by her husband and so um you know and i will say you know the one thing that makes me think Hedvig's not just a boy who gets completely thrown into everything is that Hedvig seems, or, you know, like Hansel, when there's still Hansel, like, seems to not at all mind uh, being addressed as girl and lady mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and seems yeah. to enjoy that. And so that's why I think, you know, and also doesn't seem to mind being Hansel and and refers to themselves as something between man and woman. And, and, sh- and I think shares the name Hansel in some of the monologues. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I don't think that Hedvig has a binary gender that they're very attached to, but right. everything else, but everything else that happens, like they're, they're, they have no agency and, and it's just other people saying here, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to mm. do that. I do think it's interesting. Like, uh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't directly think of them as trans, like you said, because it wasn't her choice. Like she didn't get the choice to do that. 
But the only thing that ma made me directly allude to the idea of that was the origin of Love Song, in which she talks about how, mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, people originally were in twos, you know, put together, and, uh, you know, there there were two, like, men uh, that were put together, and those were called the, the what, the, um, the they sun people, and two women put together, those are called the earth people, and then there's a man and a woman, when those are put together, those mm -hmm. are called the moon people, and that felt like... You, that was kind of like explaining like oh yeah this is like the origins of like sexuality in a way you know right what I'm because that's essentially how you end up with lesbians gay men and straight people and yeah, yeah. and that actually the origin of love is the first idea that sparked this entire thing because mm. it literally started with John Cameron Mitchell going, I want to do a show about Plato's symposium, <laughs> you know? So, so it's interesting that that of all things, and then, you know, and then separately he had this idea of like, Oh yeah. And I had this babysitter who was an army wife and also a hooker on the side. And, <laughs> and she was interesting and I want to make her a character. And then ended up later having the, the idea of the botched sex change operation. Um, and, and so in a lot of ways, like this was, you know, and this is a very theater thing. This is how a lot of theater comes together was these sort of different ideas that got piled into this one creation, mm. um, which is why, again, like I don't view this, even though I find the narrative that ended up being the narrative really problematic, um, I don't view it the same way I would as I would view something where somebody sat down and tapped out this screenplay. If Hedwig and the Angry Inch, the movie, were a screenplay that somebody sat down and went, tap, 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 here we go, here's this thing, out of whole cloth, I would be viewing it very differently than I would something that evolved in the way it did. And knowing what I know about the way stories evolve when they go from being a solo show to an off-Broadway play to a touring musical to a movie. You know. I think we, uh, we, we've we talked about this on the podcast, too, about how, like, I think it was when you were talking about Birds of Prey and how, yeah, it's like, it seems like the studio makes decisions that, you know, like, if, like, the, like the parts of the movie you liked, like the fight scenes, the action scenes, all that was like, I like that. I want more of that. But then the studio has to be like, well, there needs to be this conflict. You got to squeeze this in there to make mm. it a movie. <laughs> I wonder, looking back on the essentially one person play that the thing kind of uh, like arose from the the redemption arc of okay well you know you go through a lot but then with the most of the present day you spend with Hedwig Hedwig is fucking horrible like to everybody <laughs> yes and, Horrible, horrible to Yitzhak, horrible to the other band members, even though I still, to this day, quote that you don't put a bra in the dryer, it fucking warps. <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, I will say, horrible character, the movie is excruciatingly quotable. Like, from beginning to end, there's so many memorable quotes in it. But, like I said, most of the, most of the time you spend with, with Hedwig... They're pretty horrible until the end where they put Yitzhak's needs or wants ahead of themselves and just mysteriously walk away, well, which, I, oh, go on. but, but it does like, I, I know earlier we said like the reclaiming, I, I, and I, I never really got a sense that there was like a happiness in Hedwig, even as they like walked away naked. It just kind of seemed like, 
I'm just gonna go. Oh yeah, that's like a cold the, ending. Yeah, the, the walking away. The ending. Was, yeah, where the fuck are they going? The, the ending. <laughs> the ending was really depressing and um, ambiguous. And and I, I think you know I. I didn't view it as happy. I did view it as it's meant to be taken as this is who this person really is. Um, and, and I go back to that oral history where John Cameron Mitchell was talking about the original drag show, which was done in a show, mm. which was done in a club called Squeeze Box with a bang, <laughs> with an exclamation point. Um, and he said, you know, and then it, at the end, we took off all the drag and everybody celebrated because, again, that's a drag trope yeah. of, mm. you know, taking off the drag and look underneath. Oh, my goodness. And it... I think it just is something that, you know, should have been revisited mm. when it stopped being a drag show yeah. and it never was. Okay, can I put this idea out there? Um, it being a drag show is necessarily like involves the play with gender, right? Yeah. Like it is the the playing with it. And the issue is, yeah, when you have... Uh, uh, something that seems like it's actually going deeper than just a performance and it's actually relating to this person's body. Like, that's where things kind of get twisted, right? So, um, I feel like that discussion that you're talking about still is definitely, like, important and needs to be had. And I'm not trying to detract away from that in any capacity. But I feel like, yeah, when you said the idea of, like, at the end... He, he he takes off all the clothes and because this is still supposed to be in some way alluding to that. And I've, I feel like sometimes we do this thing where instead of respecting the individuality of this person is going through this experience and this person is going through this experience and they may be similar, but they have distinctions. What we do as a society is we, we have this thing where we go like, ah, well, it's basically the same anyway, so just put it together. You know what I'm saying? And, and I feel like that's a, a fault of the culture at large, Are you right? talking about like conflating cis male drag queens with yes. trans women yes. is a, yes. a really, you know, a big problem. Yeah. Uh, it is actually a serious problem. Um, and, you know, and I think that, again, like, when I was watching it, more than anything else, when that last bit was happening where, you know, where they were taking off the drag, it, it did feel like, oh boy, it, it kind of, it was a similar feeling to me as, like, when you're reading a book... You're reading a novel, and then one of the characters starts, like, monologuing and, like, going on and on about, like, some political ideology or something. And you're like, oh, boy, this is just the author, the author's mouthpiece, right? Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel like a, like, an ideological mouthpiece rant, but it did feel like, oh, boy, this is just the creator being himself right now. Mm -hmm. um, this is just, you know, which for an onstage show is something different. And especially for a solo show, because, you know, very often in solo shows where somebody's playing a character, you do then have these moments of vulnerability from the performer where they're being more themselves as the performer. And that's different from an actor in a movie playing a character. Uh, so, yeah, that was it wasn't even like basically, I guess this is a really long winded way of saying it took me out of the story because I suddenly felt like I'd lost the character and I wasn't looking at that character anymore. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Can, can I say, okay, so I was a little confused about, yeah, what exactly the black guy, like, likes, because it seems like he doesn't like penises, because at first he seems like he kind of reverts his eyes when he sees, when he sees, you, you know, Hedwig naked. It. He got a taste for but, it. <laughs> but then, but he's, like, totally okay with, it's like, yeah, I want you to be a woman for me when I take you to America, but then he leaves her for another man. Well, yeah, because, I mean, and I think I my read on that is you've got this guy who, you know, I mean, and, like, 
I think probably other bisexual people can relate that mm. you are brought up being expected to be attracted to a certain gender and you are attracted mm. to that gender. Mm. And so you just go, yep, this is the gender I like all mm. is well. And you don't really think about any other genders or body parts <coughs> that you may or may not like right. because why? Mm. And then, uh, so, you know, you've got this guy who is probably you know, his sexuality, like he likes women enough that he's able to think of himself as a straight man up until that point. And then he sees this person and he's kind of stealing a look at the penis and he's like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about that. Gets together with the person, maybe starts to like the penis, but then he's like, no, 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 but I'm a straight guy. I, it's mm. totally fine if they don't have a penis. Gets to America, is like, oh shit, I really do like dick. So, I need dick. <laughs> you think it's a, it's a sort of a, a, a genderqueer madam butterfly thing sort of going on here? Well, I think, which actually, the, there's butterfly which is the musical based on it is but um but you know i think basically the the soldier the especially husband, with the soldier yeah who you know, is like, you know I, I think he essentially was somebody who did a lot of self-discovery about his own sexuality and unfortunately that self-discovery had as a a, a an injured bystander hedvig because hedvig got pushed into a surgery she mm-hmm. didn't want uh, while he was figuring his shit out. And, you know, and again, I mean, there was also the practical aspect of let's get you out of East Germany, which it turned out mm. if she had waited a year would have, you know. Which is the tragedy. And I mean, you see her in that moment. With As that, he's leaving. With the, with the look on her face of just going, oh my God, I lost my genitals for nothing. Oof. And, you know, and again, like whatever Hedvig's gender is, she clearly like, misses her dick and that was a huge loss and I think also um, and this is a commentary I've seen from the creators that the idea of to get something you have to leave something behind to go forward mm, you have to that leave comes up behind. yeah before you leave yeah. so the penis is you know Hedvig's penis is which we we see represented symbolically at one point mm. prior to the surgery as <laughs> you know she refers to it as a little bishop in a turtleneck and we literally yeah. see it look like a bishop in a turtleneck as like a little puppet that pops up yeah you know but- it's very tonally different than most of the movie. It, it, yeah. It's jarring. It is. It's it. Yeah, it's kind of funny. And and so you know, I think also again, you know, John Cameron Mitchell is somebody who clearly, clearly is very very attached to his penis and has a lot of <laughs> and has a lot of anxiety around the idea of castration. And so it's something where gender aside, somebody who is very attached to their penis. For him, the idea of losing your penis, of leaving your penis behind in order to Mm. achieve something or get somewhere new, that's the ultimate sacrifice. Like, what Uh. more could you possibly be asked to give up of yourself than that? So it's a narrative about a gay man, like, in relation to his penis, instead of, like, a narrative about a trans person in relation to say I'm not going to say that it's not a narrative about a trans person, because frankly it is. Whether we like it or not, the creator thinks of Hedwig as a transgender woman, Hedvig is intended to be a transgender woman and is referred to as such whether we like it or not or think it's a good portrayal or not. Um, But I do think that John Cameron Mitchell put a lot of himself into the character and, you know, and that idea of the penis being the ultimate loss is very, very present. Mm. And, oh my God, I just got to my notes where 
the scream happens, and that was the moment where, where you had to go because it was just like, oh, and the surgery. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, you don't see anything. Do you see it, that creepy surgeon, yeah, and like filthy looking. Oh my dark god, back alley. And, and again, I feel like that kind of is problematic in a way because it, it does make like, oh, if you're going to do that, isn't it the scary thing? You know what I'm saying? Well, and I mean, I will say I'm sure that East Germany did not have the best conditions. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as easy. Well, it's not exactly I mean, easy now that, either. But right, I mean, and again. Again, you know, you can, zooming in and out, zooming in, yes, it's accurate that in East Germany getting, a, you know, getting a vaginoplasty in East Germany would not have been a great experience. But mm. then zooming out, it's like, uh, why are we... Why are we showing that in that way? Just yeah. like, you know, um, I mean, in Juno, uh, to bring in a very different movie for a second, in Juno, <laughs> when she goes into the abortion clinic... But we can and, talk shit about Juno, yes. Yes, definitely um, go on. <laughs> go and, off. <laughs> and she walks into the abortion clinic, and the receptionist at the abortion clinic is, like, being really gross and You're inappropriate. So fucking right. And talking about, like, oh, yeah, my boyfriend's dick tastes like pie when he wears his condoms or whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure, it's believable that any human being could be inappropriate on the job and act like that mm-hmm. but why are you portraying an abortion clinic worker in that way why mm-hmm. are you choosing to do that and so you know again it comes back to like and and so i i just i feel like i'm i'm kind of like going on a loop a little bit but i do <laughs> think that john cameron mitchell it wasn't i don't think any of this is malice or hatred i think some of it is just he didn't quite think through the implications yeah. of some of it oh yeah you know i think that's just what it comes down to is he didn't quite think through the way that the story might come off as look at this person who got mutilated and now is like coming back to her true self as a man, you know, Mm. like I I was trying to do some other research and found a video where uh, John Cameron Mitchell is being interviewed by Mark Maron pretty recently. Oh, and just as a kind of glimpse about how you said, like, there doesn't seem to be malice uh, or some malintent going on, even in that interview, uh, they talk about how this was a it, it, it there was m- most of the performances there were drag if not all and there was kind of like a bit of resentment towards hey here comes you know this dude who's just doing who's like kind of biting oh, our yeah, act you're or talking about you're talking about in squeeze box yeah they were they were serious drag performers and he was not, yeah he was just an actor who wanted to play a female character yeah and he even addresses that and he's like i didn't like anything i think that could be mis that could be interpreted as uh insensitive or inconsiderate yeah i think most of it is just fuck, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Like, I don't think he was trying... He just doesn't... He doesn't seem to think things through in that regard. And even when it comes to the movie, and I know this is... This this is a pretty uh, heavy trope in drag and just queer culture, like comedy. Like, most of the trauma in the movie or the things you're supposed to find sad, most of it is handled in a comedic way or in mm-hmm. a way that you could potentially find it funny. Mm-hmm. Like, just in just for example, uh, the scene where uh, where Luther leaves is followed by the it's perceived it's uh, preceded by the angry inch performance where 
Hedwig leaps off the stage yeah. and flies through the restaurant. <laughs> An incredible scene, and you see and the, then, like, the Hedwig uh, curtains yeah. on the and, side of the camera. And then just the, the moment of the the boyfriend sort of trooping off, carrying the two oversized suitcases and struggling with it. And also, as she's jumping over. I just want to. I, I'll let you get back here, but just like I just want to say, like just as she's jumping over, this one guy like chopping up a lobster for some reason. What the fuck was that about? <laughs> but anyway, like you were saying, <laughs> yeah, just like the. And then just comedically almost falling into the, into the, mm-hmm. tr- like, reclining chair, seeing him leave, the fucking expression he gives of just the, well, <laughs> he just kind of shrugs and leaves. I know. Yeah, the husband, and he just does the fucking point, the fingers. Yeah, the, the, husband, <laughs> the husband was a hilarious character. Like, he's horrible. Hilarious he's horrible. horrible, but he's so fucking funny. And then, like, the, which is just heartbreaking, watching the Berlin Wall and seeing the uh, greetings from Venezuela postcard from her mom. Like, everyone's so happy at the Berlin Wall. Even though she's not smiling. (laughs) But then you hear on the TV the newscaster go, good things come to those who wait. Like, come the fuck on, dude. I get it. The Germans are a patient people. (laughs) Except for you, Hedding. Except for you. It can all be... It can all be perceived as as being funny. And going mm-hmm. back to the watching the performance on stage from, I'm going to say around the time the movie came out, maybe a little bit before before that, even the tense scenes, the audience is laughing almost throughout the whole thing. Even when, if you're watching the movie, you're not laughing because it's not funny, but it's being shown to you in a different way. There is this really funny, light tone that a lot of stuff is treated with throughout the movie, and then it gets so serious at the end, and that was part of it. It wasn't just yeah. the, like, oh, wait, all of a sudden Hedwig looks like a man, and that's supposed to be some kind of, like, ultimate truth or something, but also just the tone suddenly becoming so serious, it felt self-indulgent, and it felt like... I could see that, You yeah. know, and, and I think that was ultimately my problem with it was I felt... It felt like self-indulgent, it felt too serious, and it felt like John Cameron Mitchell wanting to show his body and go, look, look, I'm a man. Like, that's what it felt like was him sort of putting his needs as a as an actor ahead of the character. I will- it, it's, oh. odd, it's odd also how in the performance it's, yeah, oh man, I'm gonna... I'm gonna walk away naked, and he's saying like, "Oh yeah, I go and I go out and I sit in the stairwell as the band, you know, finishes the song, or whatever." But then, right after that, I, you know, comes back in for the happy encore. Like, what am I supposed to feel at the end here, John? Oh, yeah. Am I supposed to yeah. be cheering and singing along at the end, or is it supposed to be reflecting and thinking about what this character went through and what they're left with, with the? Um, you know, I gave my peace to my man, I gave my peace to my mom, I gave my peace to the rock star, he took the good, he took the good parts and ran, and Quite now literally. I'm gonna give, <laughs> and now I'm gonna give this one last piece of mine to Yitzhak, I'm walking away with literally nothing. Big encore, right? What do you want to hear, folks? You want to hear Angry Inch again? Tear me down? What do you want? It's like, yeah. all right, look. Well, and it's like, I get in a theater performance, you don't want to let the audience go on a super down note. Because, <laughs> yeah, that's You true. know, because then everybody walks out moping, and that's not, <laughs> that's not good. Um, and so I understand that impulse, but it's also like why, um, you know, I just, I felt like it could have been 
handled in a way that was just as truthful and vulnerable and stark and striking without without making it self-indulgent and without making it quite such a downer. I, I will say, though, like, to because I feel like we're criticizing the movie a lot. I want to go back to a point that I really do. I really enjoy the performance of the actual song, Angry Inch. Oh, yeah. And how, yeah. like, again, mm. you know, you're seeing the dynamic of, like, uh, Yitzhak being pissed off at fucking uh, Hedwig and, like, seeing that keep happening. And uh, then there's one point where, like, because he's describing, like, his... Like he's describing his dick so like specifically, mm-hmm. and and it pisses off this one bigot dude who just goes, oh, the, <laughs> like he throws his fork on the ground, and, and then, yeah, and then it's like just jumps in the ground and beats the fuck out of the dude. I'm like, now this is a fucking show, yeah. And I, like I love that type of thing, right? Like I love, I love you when know, you see the like prim middle aged manager like <laughs> beating somebody's ass, in the yeah. and and you know, like the the quintessentialness of the scene because like you know as much as this is about like you know um. Um, queerness and all those things it is in relation to rock rock music yeah Yeah. and I love specifically how it's like this idea of like because that's what rock is supposed to be right like we we have these like messages that are gonna piss you the fuck off especially if you're a bigoted asshole so yeah get fucking pissed yeah we're gonna get fucking rowdy you know what I'm saying like I love that there was that aspect to this about this show and that they did it so like you know fully and fucking balls out like that it was so fucking cool I really want to talk about the venues uh, for yes! a second. Oh, the, the, God. Those, those are some of my favorite parts in the movie about how it's always a mix of irritated white middle-aged people just putting up with the performance or just getting up and leaving. Uh, my favorites, uh, there's one part, and I don't think I ever noticed this because I never watched the movie with headphones on, but it's, a, it's the part where it ends up where she throws the door open and... Uh, Gnosis is performing next door and she's she's screaming <laughs> out the door at him. As she's like telling her story, you hear the waiter go like, Okay, so you want like chicken fingers? Okay, oh my cool. god, that, I didn't that catch comes that. with you hear like the <sighs> Okay, yeah, the, uh you could get barbecue sauce with that or like just the that yeah, is like, so it's, great. I did not It's that still up. you need to watch it with the headphones because oh it really god. does just make the She's just bearing her soul, and nobody gives a fuck. Like, oh everyone's God. just carrying on their business. Um, and, 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 I, we haven't even mentioned uh, Sugar Daddy yet, but that might be one of my favorite parts, which is the walking on tables, kicking people's food, Dude, waving her fucking skirt in the dude's face, all that shit. like those scenes have the most personality the fucking the first performance with the band where it's just like korean ladies that she knew (laughs) in the fucking uh in the laundromat that she just like scout like just grouped together these random people um i i love that shit i love the little like touches of humor the the joke about uh kurt cobain going places the joke about the about the fur coat having the fucking paint that, thrown the fur on the coat back was so funny that like what loud. creature had to die my, my aunt judy <laughs> <laughs> and the, just the, the turnaround to reveal the paint splatter yeah, like I, I died and that's so <laughs> fucking good and and that really that sort of mild storytelling stand-up is is yeah. quintessential drag and that's when right. you really saw the 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 best of the drag show and you really saw the best of that original club show that this started from because and that's when you love Hedwig because yeah I mean she is horrible like you said she's she's abusive to everybody around her but 
But she's so fucking charming yeah. on stage. And also, like, the more you know about her story, the more it's like, oh, well, she was also abused her whole life by people that she thought right. she could trust. So it's kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she, abuse, hurt people hurt people. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, she, she's a realistic, she's a realistic victim of longstanding personal trauma. Mm. Um. Oh, you know what name we haven't mentioned this whole time? What? Punk ass, pussy ass, punk ass, because I gotta say it again. <laughs> Tommy fucking Gnosis, who could eat a Tommy dick. Tommy Gnosis. <laughs> the 17 love, year old I, Jesus freak with the fish on his truck. I, I can't take it. I love how, I love how, like, chivalrous, chivalrously <laughs> enraged you are on Heaven's <laughs> behalf. Yeah, so, so, and that's something, and, and Muse, you've seen, you know, you, you're more familiar with the stage show than I am since you've actually, like, seen it live. Um, and I didn't know about the the double casting, and that's that really changes it when you see that character be a, a flesh and blood actor that you see mm, yeah. interact with her, and also somebody who's like very physically different mm-hmm. from John. Yeah, because it's like they're not the same age. He, he's seventeen. He's seventeen. Is like yeah. twenty twenty something. Bef- when she said she was writing the uh, "You can't always get what you want" uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> thing, so oh, like, fuck. so you're yeah. already. In, like, like Hedvig's, Hedvig's in her 30s. Yeah, yeah. Hedvig's, in, Hedvig's gotta be at least 30 by the time she meets Tommy, so she's a lot older than him, she's a lot taller than him, she's thinner than him, she just, they, they physically look very, very different, so even, I mean, having any other actor would have already made a huge difference, but then having an actor who's so clearly a completely different person, I think, mm. really changes it from when you have the double casting. What's so weird, and I'd imagine confusing as hell... The first time you see Tommy is when he's performing uh, Wicked Little Town. Up until that point, it's just Hedwig telling stories. Right. Mm-hmm. And just, you know. And I didn't realize how whole... much it was yeah, going to specifically be about this guy. <laughs> well, and I, I think just having, like the... having him show up as a rock star first, and then the next time you see him is this, you know, awkward, you know, pie-faced teenager jerking <laughs> off in a just bathtub. Just jerking off in a bathtub. Oh, my God. <laughs> Like, who the fake, the fake ass Marilyn uh, Manson punk? Ass? <laughs> but what were you saying, Venus? <laughs> um, so, up until that point, it's just like re, just recounting the story of, you know, sat me on the bed and played me the, uh, played me the classics as I was informed. America, y- Europe, <laughs> all that. Like, it's just being told as a narration. So, you don't ever see Tommy until, and though, like, all the lights go out because he just did the whole freak out. Um, performing uh, 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 Exquisite Corpse, and the lights go out, lights come back. Now John Cameron Mitchell is dressed and performing as Tommy. For the first time, you're seeing Tommy Gnosis, and it's being played by the person you'd seen as Hedwig this whole time. Mm. So it's got to be a little jarring of like, okay, so, so was he real? Because in the movie, it's way more easier to grasp when... You're actually going to the big album signing in the mall. Yeah, in the movie, or... there's no question that Tommy Gnosis is a real person. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's just someone telling you the story and they sound bitter and angry, yeah, there's a possibility this person doesn't really exist and this is just a manifestation yeah. of of like what was taken from this person and they're putting the blame on, on someone else. But yeah, in the movie, it's... I mean, they get in a fucking car accident together. Like, oh, all I, that shit is very obvious. There's that whole aspect to it, too, right? Like, especially, um, uh, I, I, I love how this movie was, like, going through time and showing you these different, like, times of music, you know what I'm saying? And especially mm. getting up to the 90s where it's like, yeah, uh, um, I mean, they're playing fucking, and 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the quintessential, uh, you know, I, I remember Tommy said something like, well, it's a multi-platinum single, so you can't hate on it. It's like, no, bitch. That was, <laughs> you can hate all you want because the shit was funny. So apparently Miriam Shore at her original audition was asked to sing... Uh, was asked to sing I Will Always Love You and she started oh. and realized that the only part she knew was and I will always love you and she sang it and she said she just sang that over and over and over and over again until they stopped her <laughs> so that might have been the inspiration for that bit in the movie that's so funny yeah but, but uh, specifically speaking to the idea of like like it's Hedwig's story is such a quintessential musician story, right? You're this super mm. talented person, but because they don't have the right mainstream look, they don't get to have the spotlight. And some some little pisshat, you know, who takes their ideas and gets rich off of it, you know what I'm saying? They get all the he money. He has the moody, sulky white boy look. That's, exactly. You know, now in because of Kurt 1999, Cobain. you know, Marilyn Manson, that sort of fucking thing. But then as soon as you fucking look into this guy, it's this guy who's got no fucking depth to him at all. In fact, I love a. Uh, I mean, sure, it's a point of her like getting angry at him, like kind of like. Maybe a little unnecessarily, but the point where they're singing the lyrics together in the car, and he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, and the Cyrus God does this, and he's like, no, it's Osiris, there is no fucking God called the Cyrus, you dumb motherfucker, and, like, you know, she definitely, like, goes off the handle a little more than she should, but at the same time, it's like... This music is literally being, you know, uh, um, um, interpreted by someone who is not really yeah. experiencing what the what the songwriter who created the song experienced to make this type of song. And I really do feel like it comes through, especially when you hear some of the the versions of the songs that he does. You know, where oh, it's they like, sound whack. <laughs> yeah, it's just very shallow and it's very like lackluster. And it's fucking have yeah, Muzak. You know, especially yeah. uh, fucking one point when they're in the when they're in the mall and you. <laughs> hear the music playing and it's such like the fucking small music yeah it's like fuck this son of a bitch <laughs> but then I, there's also the aspect where it's just like as you're watching the movie you're like oh but you're obsessed with this person because you keep following them to every mm. city and wait a minute this doesn't feel like you're in the right here by doing this you know I, but again uh, just I pissed off about the fact that like motherfucker you know i made this shit you know but yeah i thought when you said a name we haven't mentioned up up until this point and i don't think we can't mention andrea martin uh who in a way feels like this was the this was the studio's note we we have to add the like the manager but she's so great i fucking love andrea martin there's a scene it's a scene in the laundromat after they're at the mall and this is after she's been like okay look all we need to do in this lawsuit to prove that he stole your music, you just need a photo. That's all we need. And then they do the they go to the mall and at the at the laundromat, she's just like, "Okay, look, uh the the photo op not the best idea." And Hedwig's <laughs> like, "I mean, that was your idea." And she's like, "Yes, and I'm reconsidering a lot of my ideas." And like just trying to like <laughs> pawn off everything, but then once um once Hedwig flips on uh flips on Yitzhak for trying to uh, take the role in what was it like? Oh, uh, rent, in rent, rent in Guam. It was like it was like in the Philippines tour of Rent. <laughs> yeah, it was like a cruise line performance. Yeah. Event. <laughs> there's uh, there's two. I wanted to mention these two. Uh, there's two deleted scenes that they they kind of feel out of place for the movie, and that's probably why they're not in there. Um, there's a scene where Hedwig and Andrea Martin do this sort of 
Lucy and Ethel, Laverne and Shirley, like, we, like, they find two, like, like, maintenance people and, like, drag them into a closet and take their uniforms to try to, like, fool security into thinking that they work there. It's weird. And, um, there's a scene where Yitzhak is banging on all the garbage cans out in the alleyway trying to, like, rehearse for Angel and Ren. <laughs> oh my gosh. They just yeah, hear her like, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> wow. Yeah, like this open the door and see Yitzhak just like banging on trash cans in the uh, in the black wig. Yeah. Can we talk about uh, their fan, the Angry Inches fans for a second? <laughs> yes, yes, I, yes. I love, I love that goth girl yes! who is the only, <laughs> oh my God. That was, the of, that was one of my favorite parts of the Ninth movie. Ninth stage. Was that, do what? <laughs> Ninth stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was that was one of my favorite parts of the movies with that with that goth girl being the sole audience member and just standing there. And then when Hedwig like beckons her over and she just kind of like, oh okay, and like is very excited. And then the next time you see her, she's got like the foam the foam wig on. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the foam wigs are fucking great. I love that she's such like she's presented as such a nobody, but she has like official merch. Yeah, yeah. That was thinking about that too. <laughs> You know, like she... where do you get those? <laughs> and and the people when she's like drunkenly sitting on a pile of tires and talking about her <laughs> great you know, just her... looking scene. And, <laughs> and, looking scene. and these people are like I actually like that you know, there's sort of a cult leader vibe to mm. her sometimes because yeah. when she's sitting there and all these people are like gathered around on the tires on lower spots on the tire heap, mm-hmm. looking up at mm. her adoringly. Like I got real cult leader vibes yeah. from that. And, and and what 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 I find it funny is that like, you know, the whole like as she's you know being this cult leader and like everyone's looking up to her all she can talk about is how much this guy that she fucked with you know a couple of years ago fucked her over you know what i mean like that's her obsession this whole time can't, yeah like can't even enjoy the like you've got fans yeah but that doesn't mean anything because what really matters to you is the music but someone is making way more money and they're way more well known and you look like you're stealing the music from them yeah. trying to like leech off them when and you're they wouldn't be anything them. without you. Yeah. <laughs> you know and- So so how does you know, in the in the movie they get in a car wreck and it <sighs> tanks and it tanks Tommy's career. Yeah, and then she gets and notoriety. Then she ends up skyrocketing to fame. How does that play out in the stage show? I don't even think they, perf- I don't think they show that. So does she like, does it, is there any explicit like wild success at the end in the stage show or does it just kind of like, I'm just wondering like what happens with her and Tommy near the end if um, that's what you on I, the spot. Just- <laughs> no, um, from, from what I can tell, basically the whole arc of getting the notoriety and the fame isn't really there. It's, it's just like, yeah, Hedwig's performing exquisite corpse but like any other song and here comes tommy to yeah because I, I feel like that really changes things i feel like that plot development yeah. near the end really changes things because you know hedvig has gotten exactly what she wants before that final 
before that final scene, she's mm. gotten exactly what she wants. She's gotten revenge on Tommy. Mm. She's gotten satisfaction from him. She's successful. She's famous. Uh, she's getting credit for her work. And so to then have that ending after that is a very different feeling from having her just sort of slide into that ending being a failure the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's treated differently. Um, I don't, I, I'm guessing that was... I, I don't know how much of it is studio and how much was, was John's, like, adding way, way to, way to it's, like... It's cinema, it we can do this, we can have the tabloids pop up, mm. and, I mean, you could do that on stage with, like, a projection, but, but yeah, I, it might have just been a new idea for the, for the movie. I love the... This is one thing, it's so fucking cheap, but I really love it, that this was obviously, you know, it, it's, it's an off-Broadway performance, so it's already well-known, so at one point or another, to promote the album, uh, Hedwig performed on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so they just took a clip of a, from when Hedwig, because you see uh, oh, Rosie that O'Donnell was a real, holding, That was a real Rosie O'Donnell episode? She's holding the soundtrack to the from the from the musical. Oh my god, I didn't <laughs> notice that. I didn't notice They're, that. They that just, is so funny. They just straight up made it look like, oh yeah, she's super successful, and her one performance on the Rosie O'Donnell show, we're gonna use that, because we got it. Like, yeah, I love just the way they work that in there, of like, a, hey, look, she's on TV. I mean, you know, she's got a queer icon, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> if you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I got a question. What does she say when, there's a scene where Tommy Gnosis and Hedwig are, like, talking to each other when they first really like have it have an interaction and he says something where it's like where where are you from or something like that mm. and she says like well oh. from berlin and like the bomb starts dropping and like it's just like over her so i couldn't hear what she was saying and i couldn't make out what she said. Yeah. what was the thing that she said that made him do that reaction I, of like my, would you give me well, the apple like so, so my interpretation of that is she says I'm from Berlin and then you, you you don't see her mouth anymore and you just hear the sound effects and you mm. hear the bomb dropping. And my interpretation of that was she is then telling him her entire story, including that she used to have a penis because, yeah. and that's the bomb drop is I used to have a dick. Um, and then when, you know, you have that scene later when Tommy reaches in her pants and is horrified mm. when he encounters yeah, the Yeah, see, I thought inch. he didn't know, yeah. And it's... But you also, there's the whole thing about how he won't touch the front of her and he only, you know, touches her from behind. So I'm wondering if he, like, thought she still had a dick and then was surprised to find what he found. But, but yeah, I mean, I think that was a stylistic, you know, we've already yeah. heard Hedvig tell her whole story. It would be a waste of screen time to yeah, hear yeah. her say, yes, I was born in Berlin and my mother was this and I used to play in the oven. Yeah, like, yeah. It, would be, it would be a complete waste of time. So instead we get the sound effect and the bomb drop. I, I took as I used to have a dick because I don't know what else okay. that would have been. See, I, yeah, because yeah. I was like, because, I mean, he is surprised by it. When or or the, it may be that he assumed when she says I used to have a dick and I had the surgery, he might have assumed she had a successful vaginoplasty. Yeah. And then finding that, oh, no, she just literally got her dick cut off. It, it's and not, the, she doesn't have a neo-vagina. The fucking pussy-ass way uh, uh, Tommy tries to excuse himself when he, he's like, uh, it, you know, it's 
stops. And oh, my, just, my mom's. My mom. Yeah. <laughs> and oh then my god! And it just immediately starts laughing. You sissy, you fucking. I was like, yes, you fucking deserve that shit. And uh, no, I do want to. I do want to bring up the fact that you know, I mean, and seventeen is the age of consent in a lot of places, I, and it's not yeah. a kid. But Tommy's very young. You know, when when Tommy, yeah. you know, because I think it's very easy to see Hedwig is completely the victim, and Tommy is this exploitator who stole mm. her music and all this. Because I mean, that did happen. But Hedwig was Hedwig, but every. Time I say Hedvig, and then I, the next I say Hedvig was Hedvig was like thirty when she met him. She was babysitting his younger sibling. Which, yeah. by the way, that moment where she just puts the baby down, <laughs> steps over the baby. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but you know, but Hedvig is is a well into adulthood, kind of a semi authority figure in that she's babysitting mm. his sibling. And he's a kid. He's not a young kid. He's old enough to have sex. But, you know, there is a power differential, even though she's not exactly a very powerful person, being, you know, a a divorcee army, ex-army wife who's, you know, doing blowjobs for money. Like, she's obviously not a powerful Mm -hmm. person. But there still is that. She is an experienced, probably 30-something, and he's a 17-year-old, um... And there is a, and she's like teaching him. She's doing that teaching. And I think it's interesting that, you know, John Cameron Mitchell is obsessed with Plato's symposium and, you know, Plato's, the, the origin of love and all this platonic ideas uh, play a major role. And, and part of, you know, the, the idea of like what homosexuality was in Greece and what that concept was culturally was, it wasn't just like, you know, what we think of as like gay couples. It was the specific relationship between an older teacher and a young boy student. And, Mm. um, and I don't know if that's an intentional echo, but I think that Hedwig being obsessed with Plato and then also having this teacher student relationship to Tommy and feeling like she somewhat created him. I mean, she gave mm. him a name. She gave him his look. Mm, she yeah. like wrote all the music he sings yeah. that Tommy being a creation of Hedwig, like that's significant, I think. And him mm. being, you know, it's like, yeah, he's a little pussy asshole when he freaks out because he finds out that she's, you know, had this injury, but at the same time, you know, when he says, oh, my mom, I got my mom's going to be worried about me. That kind of hits home that like, wait, he's a high school kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I got yeah. that vibe watching it again today that the freak out might have been a bit overboard <laughs> and probably wasn't really like I understand yeah. all the things you've, all the things she's gone through leading up to that and the frustration. But yeah, probably the handling of that and just the yeah, that my mom like maybe like the 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 fact that there was a possible um incident with hansel as a child uh kind of made me realize like oh hedwig's kind of predatory yeah the whole tommy thing too she is yeah Mm. she is and you know and if if we like i said i i kind of read it as maybe her mom misinterpreted it but if we are to think that she did get molested as a child that is actually statistically people who get molested sometimes do go on to then molest because they Mm. get damaged in that way and um and obviously again tommy's not a little kid and diddling a five-year-old is not the same as you know as having a a, an illicit relationship with a 17 year old it's not at all the same thing but yeah, I mean, I think there's very much a a sense of Tommy being her creation, and when mm. you have that double casting, 
when you have that Tommy being yeah. played by the same person and that, like, is Tommy even a real person? Is Tommy, um, you know, just an aspect of Hedwig's personality? It's m- much less squicky the idea that she made him if she literally made him rather than this is a teenager whose personality she very much exerted an undue influence on there was a really cool shot where uh you know she's doing the makeup for him and all this sort of stuff and then like she holds up the mirror to him and you see like the mirror like as you look into it like the side of his face perfectly like gels with the side of Hedwig's face Mm -hmm. like with it. So there was, like, that idea of, like, is this my, like, half? And, like, did I find them? Yeah. And you see the visual, like, representation of that, like, in some capacity. And, um, but then, of course, yeah. Because you... if it hadn't been, here's the thing, if it hadn't been for, like, the mall scene with the manager and the manager being involved in the stalking. Oh, yeah. And then later the car crash and all that. If it hadn't been for that, if we had only seen Tommy, like, clips of Tommy being a super mega stadium rock star on stage, and then maybe, like, her leaning out the window and stuff, if we'd only seen that, it could have been more ambiguous of maybe this is all in Hedwig's head and Tommy is this image of not only her masculine side of herself, but also the successful stadium rock star side that she never got to, Mm. that she never got to be. But then, you know, there are these moments where it becomes very clear, no, 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 this is just literal, he's, he's a literal human being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Outside of it being so quotable, like the, uh, the shot of the, uh, golden arches over the Berlin wall and Hedwig (laughs) saying, uh, God, I deserve to break today. Like, like the, like lines like that and images like that are, Probably my favorite parts. The uh, travel exhausts me. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> he's talking about the different artists, Europe, Asian, and, <laughs> and it, it all goes back to like like what you were saying earlier, like the the drag aspect, the one person show, the telling a story. Those still tend to be the strongest part of the movie, in my opinion, but accentuated with the visuals, like. This move, this movie looks so good. Like yeah. I can't say enough about how it it feels. Okay, tell me if this feels weird to say. It feels very ninety nine, but also not dated. Like it still kind of feels timeless. I get but what very you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Especially the especially the title sequence. The title sequence is very <laughs> late nineties. Like the big. Big bold letters in like mm-hmm. the spiral. Kind of reminded me of the Scott the Pilgrim uh, intro, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's very throwback. Yeah. Um, but yeah, visually, it's so many great shots, uh, so many great lines. Um, there's, it's definitely not, it's definitely not perfect, and you could definitely find ways that it hasn't uh, hasn't aged the best. I will mm. absolutely agree. Yeah. Uh, but I think in yeah, terms, of... oh, go on. I was gonna say, unfortunately, that that seems to be like the case with a lot of what we refer to like classic especially like um i remember when you had asked me what what, if i wanted to um be on the show to discuss a movie the options were like hedwig uh rocky horror and like Hmm. rocky horror can even be seen as like being problematic oh yeah oh yeah well actually it's also like 20 (laughs) years older too yeah yeah i mean i think actually the conversation that got 
DJ and I going, we should have a podcast was, I mean, we started talking about Chasing Amy and that like clinched it, but we had started, we had a like three hour conversation about Rocky Horror yeah. and, and oh, wow. you know, and saying like, yeah, Rocky Horror is actually really regressive and really conservative in a lot of ways. Mm. And, and yeah, I mean, for me, I have a lot of sympathy for John Cameron Mitchell and, and the way that this story came together because, um, I have no way of saying this without sounding douchey. I'm working on a novel. <laughs> and uh, and the way it started was two years ago, I wrote like a one-man show, and then it slowly, over the course of two years, has evolved into a novel. And I recently gave the draft to a beta reader, and she came back to me and was like, okay, here's what I think you're saying, and I have a problem with it. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, I wasn't trying to say that at mm -hmm. all, but oh my God, that's what is coming through to the reader. Mm. And it's very difficult when you've been living with a story or an idea for a long time and it completely makes sense in your head and you lose sight of like, when it comes into a new medium, like, how does that read to anybody else? Um, so I have a lot of sympathy for the ways in which it's flawed. And I do have a lot of love for this show. And it's great fucking music. And it's a great fucking drag act. And it upset my wife. <laughs> so, you know, I had, to, I, had to, I had to, like, give it a little dressing down to that. And I, and I want to, you know, I think, like, mainly I just, my reaction to it is not, fuck you, John Cameron Mitchell, but... Bless your heart, John Cameron. <laughs> the Southern bless, bless your heart. <laughs> bless your heart. Because he really did, you know, he really, like you were saying, it's, it's kind of funny we were saying he came off in the in the Mark Maron interview because he really did just seem to not think about <laughs> like, Shit, my bad, I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, think, yeah. I think even in that same interview, he kind of goes back into where he was and where he came from and how he was like, I got to New York in 1985 and I was working my way and I was on TV and doing this and trying to get roles. Said he he was considered for Breakfast Club and yeah. 16 Candles. Like he could have been in uh, John Hughes movies, but wow. he was trying to work on something of his own. So by that point, someone who's been working in entertainment since the mid 80s comes to you, a person who's playing in a band at a drag at a uh, at a drag club and says i want you to help me make a movie who's gonna tell you your ideas suck like i don't think he had anyone around him <laughs> who either had the influence or pull around him to say mm, or he might have just been surrounded by a very cis bubble and didn't I mean, really I have think a lot of people to tell him what he was saying was kind it of really, It really mm. did seem like a cis bubble because when I'm reading this thing in Rolling Stone, a lot of it seemed like, um, you know, people were talking about the performers at the club, many of whom were trans, as, like, people were saying, oh, these people, you know, they take this very seriously. They might have a problem with you. But I didn't hear anything from any of those people. Um, oh, and yeah. I, I got the impression, you know, when he said something like the whole transgender thing, you know, that castration thing, I mm. got the impression he really didn't have any trans friends mm. and nobody would have said to him like, mm, this is, you know, and, and yeah, like I did get a sort of like, he's got some, he's got a lot of influence in his circle because the way that he just went to this composer and said, write me a song about this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it did seem like, uh, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of sway. So I think, it's probably it's probably a combination. Mm. As a uh, as a cis het dude, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I just want to say, like, just experiencing this movie, especially like for the first time, and as someone who does not get 
you know, uh, narratives outside of a heteronormative narrative in general. You know what I'm saying? Like, I appreciate it on that level of, like, you know, getting me to challenge these ideas that I don't have to think about because, you know, everything caters towards, you know, my, uh, uh, my, uh, uh, identity concerning sexuality in the mainstream context right so it's like it, it like i enjoyed like the the challenging of that and the seeing the perspective of that while at the same time like yeah like i respect that like you know as someone who knows more about it it's like no nah, they could have done better <laughs> but you know i respect what it where, where it was able to give me this type of story that where where the fuck else am i going to see this type of story most of the time you know what i'm saying yeah. mm-hmm and just the fact that this was made in 99 kind of blows my mind. Yeah, man. Yeah, when I saw it, I was like, wait, how far back is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because, again, you know, I think I briefly mentioned Ace Ventura. And if you think about oh, what else Lord. was coming out in the 90s mm-hmm. where if you had a trans woman, um, you know, the gag was that, like, some guy, if he even, like, touched her, would just vomit for hours. Yeah. You know. I, I believe com- we talked about Compared her. to that. <laughs> <laughs> I believe uh, me and Muse uh, talked in a past episode about the genius doing a song about a uh, stay out of bars because oh, uh, yeah, yeah. someone with a deep voice who, who, who looks like a woman might uh, say hello. Oh, no. So, yeah. I'm, so I'm gonna kill everyone <laughs> in this club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I really did love being on with y'all and um thank you for inviting me yeah was, thank you I, I think we should do more of these awesome, i think yeah. we should, we should <laughs> oh, think yeah. of more more musicals to more do. music movies yes yeah. oh dude i mean i i think if i if i remember correctly i think that third option was hairspray <laughs> i would definitely we, be down. i mean heck we're talking about we're talking about drag we're talking about the 20th century we're talking mm. about politics mm. we should absolutely do hairspray and maybe also Yo. hair also hair the, and the hair, we, so, that. Well, that'll that'll just have both of us out in the yard again, belting out Age of Aquarius. <laughs> oh my god! And driving, our other roommate so is an astrologer, and it's really funny to sing Age of Aquarius in front of him because he just gets an eye twitch because <laughs> it's so inaccurate about astrology. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we should. We'll talk about that. But this is this is not the last of the of this trio. <laughs> nah, I, I, I'd love to be back again. So just l- let me know and. You know, we'll make, we'll make it happen. Yeah, sounds good. Well, be well, man. Thank you for coming on. You too. Uh, both of y'all. I'll hope, hopefully speak to y'all again soon. But thank you very much. Uh, uh, be safe and take care of yourselves. You too. Yeah. All right, and uh, looks like we're wrapping this up. So uh, till next time, y'all, this has been the uh, Review A New Going Off crossover. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and we'll catch you next time. And always remember, there ain't much difference between a bridge and a wall. I like it. <laughs> Going anew, yeah! <laughs> oh! <laughs> Reviewing off! <laughs> review, review off! That sounds, yeah. like, that sounds like it's a concept game show where you like, review things competitively. Who reviewed it the hardest? <laughs> <laughs>